Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. This season of the No BS Pod is proudly brought to you by our friends Beyond and Costco. Beyond offers you the tools you need to get, grow, and optimize your revenue. And Casago's best-in-class tech streamlines operations for the local traditional vacation rental management company, making them the local heroes with a global presence. Our podcast is not possible without the generosity of our sponsors. Make sure to check out their exclusive offers specifically geared for our No BS listeners. More Mateo, how are you? Brother, I, I am fantastic. How are you? I'm great, man. It was, uh, man, it's been busy. Back from Darn, which is Darn, yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was great. I heard you. Cr- I heard you crash the hotel uh, data conference. Also, how was that? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. I did. I, I went. That's right. I, I did go last day because I I was in town. I met with some property managers in Nashville, and then I went and crashed with JL. Shout out to JL, and I met up with some of the uh, Hopper reps, which I had, I've only met through Slack. So it was kind of cool to meet with them. I met with uh, this cat that's on the experience team, and it was it was cool. It was it was nice to meet people in person. Hopper had a, their own little uh, little party, um, so we went. Of course, it said hi, you know, you know, throwing some yeah, a little bit of Hopper money around. It was nice. Yeah, it was good, and uh, I crushed the show. It was, and we had a great conference. It was nice seeing everybody. Yeah. And and Amy, shout, shout out, out to Amy. Yeah, definitely shout out to Amy again. I right. one of the best ones uh, I, today for sure. Today it's uh it's you know back after a, a week away it's just catch up like I'm I'm just buried in emails and you know but that's what's fun about it and and then uh, and then looking what you what you you know skipped over and like what you're missing you're like oh shit I got to go ahead and get this out and that's just you know I think that's normal but I'm excited today we have uh, the one and only we're yeah. we're diving in we're Ryan Dane uh, yeah. Asago or Casago your choice and we'll talk about that uh, in proudly uh, a sponsor of this podcast as well, but we spent a long time coming anyways. We we're going to either get uh, Steve or Ryan on, but uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, welcome. Hey, to thanks, guys. I appreciate and, that. And so if you're watching on the video, you, you're noticing that Ryan's holding a phone up and it's jiggling around. Um, he's not in an office. But in, where are you exactly? So I'm actually in Cartagena, Colombia for the next uh, 24 hours anyway. Nice. Columbia and ordained Ryan. I mean, ordained, yeah. Maybe probably Father Ryan or something. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you're there. You, um, you, you, a friend of yours. You went ahead and and did the wedding ceremony. You're down there. You had some meetings. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's been a really fun week. So I had a buddy that got married, and his wife's family's from Columbia. And uh, much to my surprise, they asked if I would uh, do the ceremony for them. So uh, it's certainly a friend you can't say no to. So made that happen on on Friday. It was, it was actually a really cool experience. So Columbia yeah, is on, on my short list of of places that I need to visit. I've heard only amazing things, and you have yet to go. Uh, but it's definitely on my short list. It does it. Have you been there before? And does it live up to the expectations? Yeah, I think this is my fourth trip down, but yeah, I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing city. 
Um, you know, every city is a little bit different. Bogota is, you know, just a huge mass, you know, city, kind of like uh, New York. Medellin's, you know, very, it's much more unique, kind of hipster, maybe more like an Austin, Texas kind of thing. And Cartagena's got the old city, but then on the other outside the old city walls, it's got, you know, glass and steel, you know, sky rises, kind of more like a South Beach, Miami. So you get a little bit of everything down here. And I think it's a really cool city. And I've been traveling with a big group of friends, you know, doing this whole wedding thing. So yeah, we've been running some like six and seven, and this one's an eight bedroom Airbnb. So that's kind of been a fun experience to explore as well. That's awesome. I want to do, uh, I heard great things and we're going to dive into your story. We want to hear all about this, but we were just talking about Darm and getting off of Darm. I have yet to go ahead and, and listen to, uh, Schwabi's his presentation, but I've heard amazing things from four or five people. It's like, holy shit, you should have listened to Steve's presentation. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it yet with all your travels, but um, I heard great things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Steve and I actually put the presentation together, uh, together, together. So uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, pretty aware with the, of the presentation itself. And I think there was a lot of thought put into it. So um, and I've, I've heard the same. I've got uh, a bunch of texts after you got done saying that you crushed it and it was, uh, you know, well-received. So that was exciting to hear. He's a, he does a great job presenting as well. That's awesome. Mm. Talk about, you know, I'm looking at your, you know, your LinkedIn profile, you know, you know, shoot, you, you can, you know, you're almost 16 years. So, I mean, you're still Hepazu, you know, but talk about how, how do you go with Ed? First of all, how do you stumble into the space? Because that'll be, that's always a great story. And yeah. I, guess, I guess let's just start there. How do you get into vacation rentals? Yeah. So, um, you know, shit, my story is so um, ununique compared to, I think, a lot of us that have gotten into the PM space. Um, but in college, I went to school at BYU. Uh, I was in their BYU entrepreneurial program. In college, uh, we had started a company that was doing um, housing for the 2002 Olympics. So in 2002, uh, I started a company called, or actually this, I'm sorry, this 2000 for the 2002 Olympics started a company called housing2002.com. We started doing um, short-term, you know, accommodations just for the Olympics because we realized that um, Salt Lake at the time was going to be the, the most under- the, the least number of uh, pro rata hotel rooms for an uh, international Olympics in the history of the international Olympics. Oh, they're wow. building, they're racing to build hotels and they weren't ever going to have enough. And my, I had an opportunity in 96 to go to the Atlanta Olympics with my family, my dad, we ended up renting a basement from another family and, uh, you know, through the church network. And, and, uh, so when I was at BYU, I was like, you know what, if this is going to be a problem in, at, you know, Utah. I remember what we did last time we rented these people's basement. We should start this company. So we literally bought an old auto dialer. I mean, you've been, I've heard one of these before, but it's an old computer tower computer. You used to plug two cords in the back. And I had a little, I rented a $250 a month office in Salt Lake. And, uh, it had two things and you put a, a hard drive, you know, you know, computer disc into it and it had phone numbers and it would basically just randomly call um, 801 phone numbers all over Salt Lake. And I had to take it up to Salt Lake. I was in promo at the time because promo to Salt Lake was long distance and I didn't want to pay the long distance. Bill. <laughs> so it was just making these phone calls and it was basically yeah. like, Hey, do you want to rent your house out for thousands of dollars a night during the 2002 Olympics? If so, yeah. press one, if not press two. 
And if they pressed one, it would be like, that's right. You can rent your house for a thousand, blah, 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 blah. And leave your name and number. So every day after school, I'd drive up to Salt Lake, get take all the notes down of everybody that had hit one, calling them back. And uh, I just started like a monthly service company, monthly service fee um, to do that. So um, that's that was kind of my first forte into that. Um, through that, we ended up getting sued by the Olympic Committee for using the number 2002 on our website. Oh, man. Um, and and, uh, and that turned in, and then they had a housing, their housing company was uh, was Colwell Baker at the time. And then Mitt Romney took over the Olympics. I don't remember if you guys mm-hmm. remember that, but he kind of took over running. Yeah. And so then he's a BYU guy. So then he ended up putting, he ended up kind of putting our group in touch. Uh, with the Colwell Baker group that we kind of merged up that and then we ended up doing uh, all the housing for the Olympics for that year. And, um, but that was like, you know, that was back before Airbnb was even a thing. So I mean, right. uh, that was, that was, yeah, was, uh, that puts it in pretty good perspective. So that was 22 years ago. And, and so that uh, was, so the, I was yeah. there, I was in Sandy in 98, 99. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're, we're all in the same age here. Well, um, no, I'll take you, I'll take it back to, so those 96 Olympics in Atlanta, I, my college hosted some of those. So my dorm rooms, like my sophomore year were these brand new Olympic dorms that they built on Morehouse's college, on Morehouse college campus. And so we were like the first upper class. This is how bad, this is how bad our colleges were, you know, in the Southeast are, these were the first dorms with air conditioning built into this dorm. So like, we were like, we're balling and i'm like yeah the football team gets these storms we get ac now like freshman year was miserable we had like fans and windows and if you've ever been to the southeast in the summers you know that was brutal uh, but yeah yeah no we definitely came up because of uh the dorms they built during the olympics in 96 <laughs> that's awesome are you a are you a utah boy are you i mean or did you just go to byu just went to byu yeah my family i grew up uh, most of my life in idaho so okay pretty similar to utah though but yeah, yeah. just out, just outside of Boise. Okay, nice. just a just a quick, uh, just a little bit south. Yeah, that's good. So, out of Boise. so you went in, you you you. There was a problem. You found a solution, and I mean, I I thought it was actually a pretty awesome story. Not not. I mean, it was pretty. Eh. You know, an entrepreneurial spirit here. You know, right from the beginning. You know, and I love the fact that you know. For those that are listening that, that don't understand, like with that hasn't had a cell phone at your like side for your whole life and like pre pre mobile pre like like long distance was a son of a bitch. Like yeah. I'd get so much trouble with my parents for long distance calls and like when we were I was first out of the house and like having long distance calls, like holy shit, this is expensive. It's not a thing anymore. But it was fun. Yeah. All right, and it makes so much sense. How, you know, driving from Provo up to Salt Lake to go ahead and do that after school every day. Dope. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was cheaper to pay the yeah for sure cheaper to pay the two hundred fifty dollar rent for this little like five by ten office than it was to pay the long distance. So, That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, so I remember the calling card days, right? Yeah, I was gonna say cards, like how many those MCI cards? How about ten ten two twenty? Now you're too, like, no one's going to understand that, John. Like, that's so far off the cliff. <laughs> hey, people can't even comprehend that now. Oh, it was, yeah, it was bad. So, so take us, yeah, take us to where, you're, where you went to next, right? So this, this, you, you dipped your toe into short-term rentals uh, before yeah. Airbnb, the thing, seeing there's a trend in a business. Where'd you take it from here? Yeah. So, I mean, interestingly, I, 
when we had built out that whole business, there was a kid from MIT who had created a, a little lens that was doing virtual tours at the time. It was, a, it was a camera that shot up to a lens into a dome sphere, a sphere, and then would unstitch it into a Java app to do virtual tours, but with one image, which was really unique because it kept file sizes really small. And this is, again, before YouTube and streaming video and all this stuff that yeah. you have now to do a matter ports and all that. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to see if we wanted to use it for the, you know, the Olympic stuff. We went out and met him and, uh, there was a guy in our, in our entrepreneur program, his name was Larry Linton. He's still one of my, uh, you know, um, he's a really great mentor for me still to this day. And he was like, dude, this is really cool technology. And this kid wanted to sell it. So this guy, he actually stroked us a check. And at the time it seemed like a million dollars, but it was like $150,000 to do this. But we started using it in the virtual tours. And then that turned in after the tours, Larry was like, you guys got to write a business plan on how to use this lens. And we started rolling it out in real estate. And, uh, and then ultimately my senior year of college, I actually sold that company to realtor.com and I went and worked for realtor.com for two years. Um, so I worked with realtor.com for two years, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And, uh, and I worked all of their MLS national accounts. So. Um, I was the head of their immersive technology and I basically go to MLSs and say, Hey, would you put on a new listing into the MLS, have a, have a little option to buy a virtual tour. We had local photographers in the different MLS markets. And through that, I met a guy, um, that owned Meyer Realty down in Florida. Uh, it's a big independent real estate company. And that was the first time I ever got introduced to vacation rentals. So he was a big member of the MLS. He was on the board. But he had this whole other side business doing vacation rentals in Florida. And I was like, man, that's really cool. And uh, when I went out to Scottsdale, I was started to kind of flip. I was flipping condos and doing some things. And I had a couple that I was trying to rent. I couldn't get rented. And it just hit me. I'm like, dude, I'm, maybe I turn this into a vacation rental. And at that time, I was like the 356th vacation rental listed on DRBO in Arizona. You know, okay. now there's, I think 8,000. So yeah, so that was, uh, but I went down to Florida and I actually worked for his office for free for about three weeks, just learning about vacation rentals. And, um, at that time I was signed on with Escapia software is the only real software at the time. And, uh, I was one of the first Escapia clients and that was, you know, that was kind of the entree into, to building that out. I think I was probably the, definitely the first professional vacational company Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in Scottsdale when it first all started, now there's probably 20 great companies. No, that's back in 07, right? It's when you got yeah. that whole thing yeah. got started. And were, were yeah. you branded at that time as, as Padsy? No, at that time, um, I had a really stupid name. It was Top Scottsdale Vacation Rentals. <laughs> and it was done because my SEO guys, like this will be a really good SEO name for you for SEO at the time. And this is how Google and Yahoo at the time, you know, wanted to see it. So that was the name. You know, it's, it's the times though. You, you pivot with the times and you're, we're still doing it today, right? Everything. Yeah. You got to pick Tom Scottsdale. I get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I probably wouldn't so, be there today because I could see the website. Like I could see the Tom Scottsdale website, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty horrible. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Casago. And we. John, you mean Casago? No, I meant Casago. John, that's not how you say it. You gotta get our sponsor's name right, man. 
Anyway, as I was saying before I got cut off, this episode is brought to you by Casago. And if you haven't heard of them, then here's the deal. Casago helps bring the biggest tech and strategy to the local operators so they can take on the big players. Casago's franchise model really does streamline the operations of the local and traditional vacation rental management company, making them the local heroes with a global presence. And the industry changing as much as it has, Casago's not only bringing these high-powered tools to the local operators, but they're also creating something even more powerful by making sure everyone is in the community and constantly learning from different markets and operators. We tell you this because they've joined us to get this exclusive offer just for checking them out a little bit more. Go to casago.com forward slash no BS. That is C-A-S-A-G-O dot C-O-M forward slash N-O-B-S to book your discovery call. What's included, you ask? A review of your business operation expenses to identify where you can save money, information on how to partner with Casago or Casago to scale your company, and a free $100 Amazon gift card for attending their one-hour discovery call. Now let's get back to the pod. So it's Casago. No, no, it's for sure Casago. You have no idea what you're talking about. It's Casago. No, dude, you're wrong. You're wrong. Whatever. Let's get back to the business. So I had a question for you. So I, I just want to stick a pin in something real quick and something you just said. How was that experience of working within that industry? You know, you don't. I want to get to this theory versus application. And we were, John and I were at Darm and, you know, we were talking about like what vendors and other people can learn from actually getting in and being a part of the management experience. And, and talk to me about what that was. Cause you don't hear people say, oh, hey, I went over here and whether they got paid or worked for free, went to actually go in and experience you know, how a business operation runs, how to be hands-on in a property management business. Granted, at this time in the industry, how did that shape your perspective um, as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, as a person getting into this space? Because I know it had to be the the, the real deal for you. Like that, that mentality is just not normal. Talk to us about what, what made you do that and what you gained from that experience. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think two things. One, I know, you know, my dad, my dad's a, an entrepreneur, you know, and has, you know, and runs a very successful business. So I think a lot of it, I learned, you know, pretty early on working with my old man and watching him. Like when I was a kid, my dad was like, what do you want to do for spring break? I'm like, I just want to go on a, whatever business trip you're going on. Cause he was traveling all over. And so like, I literally, I was the oldest of five boys. So my dad would literally just put me on a plane with them and he'd be like, okay. And I'd ride around with his salesmen around the East coast and stay at the Hampton Inns and, you know, eat out every day. I thought it was like the greatest thing, but I just, I mean, I've always, I've always been super intrigued and fascinated by that. I think, um, my dad's definitely someone who's, you know, taught me that entrepreneurial spirit, but I think even more importantly is kind of taught me the art of sales and systems. And I think, you know, for me, that was probably the biggest application, you know, and the vacational side for me has just been, you know, how to you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's selling yourself to an employee that you, you know, that you want to hire or trying to do an owner acquisition of a, of a piece of property. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, in our worlds today, it's, it's, you know, acquiring, um, vacation companies and, you know, and bringing on new partners into, you know, into our Costco ecosystem. Um, but I think the systems piece of it, and then I think, you know, doing those three weeks out of my realty in Florida for me was, you know, really going, okay, I've got to figure out 
as many pieces as I can because no one else is doing it in Scottsdale. And even if I don't do it perfectly, I'm going to do it a lot better than, you know, the next guy that tries to come in and figure it out. So trying to figure out best practices, I think was a big piece of that for me. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's because it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I remember I, I met you through Golden, like when I first, like, shout yeah. out to Michael Golden, uh, the great connector. So yeah, I remember when I first got into this industry and I was rolling around, but I, yeah, I've, I've actually, I've watched you move for a long time and, you know, you've always been super cool. You've always been like really, you know, willing to talk and, and engaging around my questions and my novice. Hey, I don't know these things. You've always been super great, but I've always watched the way you move from a business perspective and it's different. You, I, I see your approach to how you roll through this industry and it's very different from a lot of others that I see move within this space. And I think it makes sense looking at your background, where you've come from. Talk to me about the growth that you've seen and how much has technology from your time being in this space really changed, you know, the businesses that you see and been a part of and, and, and kind of the direction in which you move? Because technology can do two things. It can build your house of cards or it can really optimize your business and help you grow. Right. So I, yeah. uh, someone from you, with your business perspective and your business acumen, like I'm really interested to hear like how that's, you know, been a part of your path and your journey in this space. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, you know, the, and, and, I, and thank you about the compliment. That was, uh, that was nice. Oh, it's true. When you said, There's I, no I think, and I think, when you, I, I think when you said I do things differently, I just like, I'm the guy wearing t-shirts and, and sneakers everywhere. I'm walking. That's who. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my own heart, right? The four link campus sneakers. So yeah, we're there too. But yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I think, you know, I, I think that's a really great question, but you know, on, on the tech side, it's, you know, I mean, going back to the history of this is like, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I used to like, you know, it was like we were walking into these meetings and these VRMAs, like, you know, it was a room full of gray hairs and I felt like the young buck and I always felt like I was a little bit smarter than everyone else in that room and that I had a little bit of an edge when it came to the tech and just understanding, like, I was like, I think I could just kind of outflank a lot of these people in this room from having more of a tech perspective you know, cut to, you know, 2022, dude, I feel like the old guy in the room, like just trying to keep up with all the tech that's going on. I mean, it's, an, it's really incredible. I mean, if you watch what's changed, uh, in this, um, you know, and the, and the truth is, you know, Steve has a background, you know, being one of the founders of streamline. So one of the things that I've always admired about Steve, because Steve and I, we both lived in Scottsdale, we were both competitors, you know, and, and you know, and friends at the same time. And he actually was probably the one that really shed the most light on the software and the systems and the implementation piece, because he really understood it. Like they built Streamline for work Osigo. I mean, even Carlos built it around Cosigo. So it was very much kind of just a, this is a need and let's build it to fix, you know, to fit this need. Um, and then, and then since then we've, you know, created um, you know, a tech stack that really revolves around Streamline. So we've got a lot of things that bolt into Streamline, but Streamline really is the nucleus of, of the tech that we run, you know, mm -hmm. at Costigo. Um, but, and that can be from anything like we just did this really cool piece of tech that, um, Steve came up with and it's a, it's QR codes. So it's a, a literally a, a QR code, um, and, and Steve's filed a patent on it even, but it actually hooks up through our Costa app. So we have an app that, you know, on all of the maintenance guys' phones, the cleaners' phones, 
They have pre-made QR codes that are uh, made out of wood and we laser engrave them. We bought our own engraver and we do this out in the warehouse. We can make, you know, a bunch of these every day. And then we got actually your own engraver, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Steve, lo- Steve, lo- Steve loves to do this. Building he, oh, he, he does, man. I love him for it too. He yeah. does. He <laughs> loves to figure out all that stuff. It's awesome. And so we've created these QR codes, but this is a good little example of just, hey, when there's problems, how do you build tech around it? So they can go into a house. If there's, you know, if we get a, if we get somebody like, hey, we've got two phone calls on this stupid Sonos system of how to connect it, how to do this. People are always complaining about it. We can just go and take this QR code. We, and it's a, you know, it's a placard about a business card size, has our logo on it. It's just click here for information about this product. They can scan the QR code with their app find the house in, you know, in our Casa app through Streamline that they're tying it to, then say, okay, here's the house. And then they can actually record a video on, hey, my name's Ryan. Today, I'm going to show you how to use the Sonos system. First thing, you're going to hit this button and you're going to hold it down for five seconds. You're going to pay mm-hmm. the You can do this whole video for it, hit complete. It uploads into a, you know, a Costago branded viewer and video and, you know, and then creates, you know, basically a work, you know, a help need for this piece of equipment inside that house. And then it has notes like, Hey, was this helpful? All these things. And so it kind of just creates this visual, you know, a video catalog of all the help things that we can go through a house. So when we start tracking and creating the right analytics around things that are going on inside of a house, we can start to say, Hey, this has been a problem three times in a row. It's time to do the video. Um, you know, and so we'll just focus on the things that we think are the biggest pain points inside of a house for a, you know, a guest. This is all guest facing, you know, it's a guest facing product essentially, and finding ways to help fix those problems to have, you know, increase the guest experience, you know, right off the bat. But think about, so I think, you know, think about Ryan, think about the, the other side of it. Think about like the, for the homeowners, this is like, you know, like the analytics that you're getting from this for the homeowners, this is like wearing your, your smartwatch that's going ahead and taking all your vitals. This is the vitals for the home, for the homeowners and then retention for homeowners. You could say, Hey, this is what's gr- doing great. This is what's fucking mm-hmm. up. This mm-hmm. is where, you, like, these are like, it's, that's smart. Yeah. No, it's super, it's super cool. Yeah. People can put comments like, Hey, was this helpful? The guests, once they logged in, they say, Hey, I found this actually helped a little bit more. Or, Hey, I think this is the wrong kind of video. And then again, for the retention of homeowners, because it's tying through to Mateo's question on, on the software side, we're tying that back into our PMS. So literally, if we deactivate a property, every one of those videos deactivates as well. So, you know, it, it allows us, so again, we're kind of using the, the streamlined piece as the hub of, the, you know, of the tech. Um, we've also, we went out and we bought, a, we acquired a smart home tech company and, you know, and so now we're implementing, you know, all the smart home tools into that, that will be integrated through Cosigo, um, to go do our own smart home tech with locks and thermostats and routers and i mean we've got all sorts of we've got a whole roadmap on it that i think will probably be the most you know all-encompassing smart home type package um you know we'll have that done by the end of the year um so stuff like that i think you know just to trying to integrate all that tech and being able to at this point you know we've we've got you know in our in the costco ecosystem um just over 3500 homes so that's kind of afforded us an ability to kind of go out and and probably spend a little bit more money and and you know we have a team of developers now which I don't think very many property management, you know, guys have, I think that's a luxury that we've, you know, that we've created and it's, we've made a priority, um, mm-hmm. you know, but to continue to evolve that ecosystem of either getting, you know, creating more consistent systems, 
or reducing the cost of how those certain things inside of that business metrics actually operate. Um, you said it, and you've said it like five times, and I, I'm a slight pivot, but out of your mouth, it's uh, Casago. Right. Oh, shit, shit. Here uh, we go. Yeah, it's not Casago, it's Casago. So I just, <laughs> so let's um before we get into uh Casago or Casago, um I and, and where you're going and 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 why you know why this like partnership and and the transition over to that, I, I wanna know looking back at you know your growth in the space and you came in you came in hot you came in hungry like there like i look back at even in our, my seven years in the space i'm like man if i'd done this a little bit differently man if i had if i'd gone about that you know what is i don't want to say regret but like what is something that you like man i i fucked up if i'd done that a little bit differently this could be here you know do you have one of those moments where you're like like that aha moment where you're like man only yeah. Um, shoot. I will tell you, I mean, I think two things. I think one for me, you know, when, when I had Padzu, we were expanding into, you know, we we're in three markets. You know, the first one was through acquisition. The second one, we started to Greenfield in Park City, Utah. I think I learned a pretty um, expensive lesson uh, on the first acquisition, just thinking, well, man, this is just pretty easy in Scottsdale. And if, you know, this is four hours away and this should work the same. Um, I had my head handed to me on our first acquisition, you know, just, you know, when I say the head handed, like I literally got to the point where I was like, there's no way this business works. If I don't get in a car every Monday morning, I would wake up, you know, four 30, I was to the office by nine o'clock in Palm Springs. And I would stay there Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes even Wednesday. And I did that literally every week for mm -hmm. over a year. And just, just to like, you know, because I wasn't doing that the first couple months so that you could just start to see the chinks in the armor and things starting to not, you know, work the way you want. So you're like, Hey, just because I've got, you know, what I think are good systems, like the people are a big part of that system, the transfer of being able to, even the transfer of culture of, you know, what was going on in our Scottsdale office to the Palm Springs office, this didn't resonate, it didn't translate because of me. You know, I think that was a big lesson and an aha moment yeah. of really trying to think, man, in life, were, this works fine here. It's going to work fine there and not having refined documented systems. We had some systems in place in Scottsdale, but they weren't into the, they weren't documented to the place where you could just take this and say, okay, this now this playbook works everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I think that leads into my second one is, I mean, shoot up, I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know, I, uh, you know, Steve and I have now been business partners for going on two years and I, you know. I, w I wish I would have, I wish we would have done it, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and I think we would be having even more fun than we're having now. And I think that we've both made a lot of headway. He's a great partner. He compliments, you know, he compliments my deficiencies. Well, yeah, you, you said that like his, you know, the, the laser printers, like he loves all that stuff and he's a great tech mind. Um, and you know, that's really allowed me to be able to remove myself from the pieces of the business that I are truly my favorite and, you know, and do what I love to do, which is more of the face-to-face -face and the business development and those kind of things. But I mean, it's like, you know, I've, I used to take phone calls from all of the owners if they got upset because I was the guy that signed them up 10 years ago and all that. And like, and that slowly evolved away where I'm like, Hey, I, I don't hear a lot of the guest complaints as much as I used to. Like there's now more of a buffer in there. Um, so yeah, I think that's been, you know, I think that's been something if I, you know, if I can rewrite the script, I mean, it, 
there's no, absolutely no regrets about the partnership that Steve and I put together and, you know, what we continue to build together and the team that, you know, we've built, uh, I'm just super proud of that. And, uh, and I wish that, you know, I uh, just want, I could put more, more jet fuel on that because that's something that's been really exciting and, uh, and really fulfilling. Have you spent hours determining what rate you should charge at your short-term rental property? Of course you have. This is a huge part of the vacation rental business, and it can be tricky knowing if your place is on par with other properties in the area. But now you don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry. And that's because it's so much easier pricing out your properties with Beyond Pricing. Here's how it works. Beyond uses a dynamic pricing tool along with in-depth market research to make sure your property gets valued exactly how it should be. They take dozens of factors into account, including your property's location, other rental rates in the area, any amenities on your property, nearby attractions, all of the things that most of us just wouldn't think about when pricing our own properties. That way you don't miss out on profits and your guests feel confident in the rate that they're paying so they come back again and again and again. That's a win-win and it gets even better. Beyond's platform is easy to use so you can save time and think about other areas of your business or enjoy your free time a little more now that you won't be stressing out about the rate you're charging. There's a reason why hundreds of single and multi-property owners trust Beyond's platform to determine what they should charge guests. Beyond is dedicated to the short-term rental community. It's where their business was born and it's where they intend to stay. Don't wait, get the profits you deserve. Go to gobeyondpricing.com forward slash no dash BS for a free portfolio assessment and a $30 credit when you sign up. That's G-O.B-E-Y-O-N-D-P-R-I-C-I-N-G forward slash N-O dash B-S. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the episode. It's awesome. We know a little something as in Teo and I know a little something about uh, good partnerships and like feeding off each other and like weaknesses and strengths and and there's there's a lot to that and and in in you and Steve are a lot alike, but you're very different as well. Um, and so the the complementary parts of you know I think a lot of like in vision, a lot of like in where you know where you want to go, but it's definitely a complementary uh, partnership. Well, I don't want to gloss over the frenemies thing too, because that shit is weird. Like that's one of the things when I got into this industry, I've never seen so many competitors that are cool with each other, right? To the point where it's like, to the case in point, right? Cool with each other in the same space and actually transitioned into working with each other, right? And working in, where else do you see that? What other industry do you really see that? Like in other industries, it's like beef, it's war. Like they're on the streets, you don't like each other. You want to finance, you're not seeing banks work with each other. You're not like, oh yeah, our, this institution's great too. It's my boy over there. They're like, no, well, this institution sucks. Don't put your money over there and we're going to crush them. You know, with, you know, in the next 10 years, we don't want them to even be in this space. Like, so I think that that story is compelling and I think it's a great reflection of kind of who we are as an industry. And I think this yeah. story, which is still being written, uh, is going to be a great one. But I think that also leads into, you know, talk to us about this space. Talk to us about Casago or Casago or both, right? Since it is and like, you know, it, it, there seems to be a lot of excitement. I, I see what you guys are doing. It's a different what you guys are doing is different. You're not the typical, you know, franchise and you have whatever side of the fence people fall on within this space. Are franchises good? Are they not? Whatever seems to be irrelevant because the product that you guys are putting out is deep. 
Um, and it is, I think it's knowing both you and Steve, it's, it's definitely a reflection of both of you. I see your fingerprints all over this thing. I see the organization you're building. I see what you're doing with the people you work with. So team's I, solid. I, like oh, yeah. I, I knew with the team, um, you got solid team, you know, and they're, they're responsive. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from outside looking in, I'm proud of what, what you have built and, and where you guys are going with this. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, and I think you're right. I think it's, you know, we've almost built this backwards, Mateo, to your point. It's, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, up until two years, we weren't franchising at all. We, you know, all of these were offices built, you know, by Steve or I, or both and, or acquisitions that had been made. Um, so there just went, and um, there was a, an immense amount of, you know, support put into it. Um, we have a, you know, a really unique value proposition, I think. And one of the, you know, secret sauces and silver bullets of, of Costigo is our, you know, our Costigo university down in Mexico. We have an entire university yep. with an actual dean of the university. <laughs> it's organized training. It's, you know, it's workbooks. I mean, every new employee goes down there and it's like, you know, they go down there and it, it, it literally, they're like, man, it's, they go all day and then they go home with homework and have to come back and like, you know, do their, like, get their quizzes scored and all this stuff. And they, you know, everyone thinks, man, we're going down to speech you guys go to this training. It's going to be really cool. And they come back like dog tired and like, wow, that was a lot. Is Pilar, is Pilar the Dean? She is. Yeah. Pilar. Dean, I can, I can only met. <laughs> Dude, she is awesome, man. But I yeah, she keeps you on, she keeps you on task, but I mean. We're going down there and there's, I mean, listen, if, if one of our offices hires a new operations manager for their office, we send them down to Costco University, they come back a trained ninja, right? Like they're going, they've got, they understand the streamline now. They understand how to put work orders in. They understand the flow. They understand the timeline. They understand the email response deadline. They understand like the whole flow of the business mm -hmm. and so how to do the things the most efficient way. So that when we send that employee back up to our general manager, it's not like four weeks of handholding in the field and trying to like, you know, get, take time out of their job to train the new guy. You know, we try to get these people trained into a very succinct system um, that's, you know, repeatable. And, uh, and I think that's a big, you know, I think that's a big value proposition, um, you know, of, of what, you know, of what we've done there. And I, you know, and so because of that, you know, we've probably, you know, we've probably overstaffed it all to support the Costigo piece. And then, you know, that's really where, um, you know, and Steve tells the story the best, but I mean, they were in a VRMA executive summit, you know, it was years ago, probably three years ago. And there were some comments made about, you know, some of the value that Vicasa had and the scale and how they could come into cities and do a little bit better and have a little bit better margin optimization because of these things. And um, I think it goes back to the old quote, you know, like you could do a lot of things good or do one thing great. And anytime yeah. you can find someone in your organization that just does one thing great at a, you know, a highly repeatable, high value add, um, you know, level, um, you're going to, that, that, you know, that's going to rise all the boats in the system. So I think that's one of the things that we've done extremely well is just find really great people to do very specific things inside of the organization. Um, and I think that we get a better yield, you know, out of that task or out of that, you know, silo of the business. Um, and I think we get, a, I think we get better output. I think we get better cost because of that. Um, and so I think that's, you know, kind of what's created the Costigo thing is, um, you know, Steve was actually at that conference. There's two, there's two managers mm -hmm. that basically like went to Steve and said, dude, like you guys have some of this stuff that Eric Breon's talking about, man. Like what, like 
would you guys ever think about letting us like have access to it? Is literally how it came up. And he was like, like what? And then he's like, like a licensing or this and that. And that really began the conversation about what would a franchise look like and how it looked like the franchise. And literally these two guys that asked that question, uh, Mike and Nick, they became our, our true, our two first franchisees. Um, and again, it's a kind of a reverse engineered franchise to your point. It's, you know, more, more than half of the people that are signing up as Costco partners are existing operators. So they're, these are operators that know their metrics. They know the, the, you know, their KPIs really well. They understand their op cost and their profits and they understand what they're paying for channel connection fees and softwares and all of that. So I think that's been one of the, maybe the, you know, most interesting testaments to what we continue to build at Costco is, you know, we're finding operators with that, you know, 50 to 150 unit count. Um, you know, doing anywhere between, you know, three and, you know, $12 million of gross, you know, rents coming and saying, okay, what does it look like if I over, you know, if I overlay the cost of go operating system on top of the business I have now? Um, and you know, what we're finding is the answer is like, Hey, this, this has value because there's a level of scale to it. Right. So I had, I know I, you know, like I said, I grew up in Idaho, I grew up in, you know, potato town. And, uh, most of my, most of my buddy's dads were, you know, were, were farmers. So I use the analogy a lot, but I mean, you know, essentially what we're building at Costco is, you know, when I was on these farms and my high school girlfriends, you know, cause I wanted to hang out with my girlfriend all the time. I actually like one summer was like, yeah, I'll come work on your farm so we can hang out and see you. And so I worked on her dad's farm and, you know, um, his name was Mr. Barrett, amazing guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in that local farm community, they had a co-op. And that co-op, they would all fill up their gas with the tractors at the same time. And they would buy their seed together, their fertilizer together, all of these things they were buying together. And I'll never forget him. I was like, why do you sell up at this crappy old gas station instead of the Chevron <laughs> or whatever? And he's like, we buy this gas together as this co-op. And he explained to me what the co-op is. And it's essentially going like, hey, we, it's, I don't, I have a 300 acre farm, Ryan, but you know, these guys all have, I've got 20 other farmers that they've all got three acre farms. So we have 6,000 acres and when you buy gas and fertilizer and these things to, for 6,000 acres, you get a better deal on it than if you're buying it for 300 acres. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, so they bought everything. I mean, if you're, if this crop duster is going to go across your field, it may as well go across your neighbor's field too. And right. he's already up in the air. So it's like, there's some economies of scale to that. And yeah. so I think that's really how I've always even looked at, you know, what we're building at Costigo is. You know, we, you know, as a company, we have an economy of scale. And as we continue to add, you know, we added three new partners last month. As we continue to add new partners, um, you know, we're just adding to that ecosystem and being able to continue to process improve, but also cost improve everything that, you know, everything that we're doing. And on the farmer side, much like the cost of buying everything, they also had the advantage of when they sold. So when they, when that buyer from Orida Potato would come in to get, you know, all the French fries they needed for McDonald's, they were negotiating to buy 6,000 acres of potatoes, not, you know, 300 acres of potatoes. And so, you know, I think that's, I think that's the other side of this is, you know, for us, the, the real win is, you know, come in mass community of like-minded people that leverage each other's inventory and leverage each other's, you know, marketing outreach. And yeah, yeah master, right? I mean, just what you guys are doing on this podcast, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just social awareness and a free flow of ideas to yeah. make us all better. And I said, you know, and so that's what's happening on, you know, our franchise side is, you know, we're able to 
help reduce the cost. And as our ecosystem gets bigger, it becomes more and more powerful. Um, you know, we've got our weekly calls, we've got our mentoring stuff, but we've got these systems, you know, where, you know, our whole goal is when partners come in, we want this thing to become net neutral for them. Like it not cost more money, but actually make more money. And then yeah. that's really where it hit for me because when, once Steve and I became partners, it's exactly what happened for my, you know, my business and Padzu inside of, you know, the, the cost ecosystem. I took that inventory, you know, we, and we merged all of our inventory together. But one of the things that Steve and I realized when we did that, we're like, yeah, if you get two big competitors in the market and you roll them up, like there's economies of scale there, right? Like that yeah. now inventory is more profitable yeah. than it ever yeah. was together. And so I think that's the other output of it is, you know, the goal is, you know, our partners make more money, which makes their companies yeah. more valuable, which gives, you know, but more importantly, it allows them to kind of deploy, I mean, the Katrinas and the Pilars and the Bill Johnsons. And we have a revenue manager by the name of Tom Lyons that was, you know, we got from Starwood Hotels. He was doing revenue and deal management for Starwood at a high level. And so being able to deploy best in class people and, you know, that, you know, maybe as an individual person at Padzu, I wouldn't be able to afford, you know, a six figure revenue manager at that level. Um, but, you know, being part of this network, I get access to somebody who, you know, is a, you know, is a, you know, a data scientist and, and, you know, a brilliant when it comes to revenue management strategies and stuff like that, that I'm now having, being able just to tap into. And I think that's, yeah. you know, part of that value proposition for sure. What, and that's a unique perspective, right? That idea of these, of this collective and, and, and like community, you know, economics, like, and being able to, you know, we, we talk about how do you scale successfully, right? Like, how do you scale within this space, you know, where we have a lot of companies that are, you know, scaling through acquisition and, and scaling through these sophisticated means and bringing all of these different bodies and people together that you have to, to successfully do it, get buy-in and then make it work. Right. And I think it's interesting. I love that farming analogy because that's really the model of like how it's done well, right? Everyone's survival is kind of dependent on each other, but everyone's gain, right? Like when everyone gains, you know, the collective gains, right? Like, and you weather the storms together too, right? So during the downsides, you're also weathering that downside together versus taking it individually in, you know, not having that, that risk mitigation and having it spread out. So I think it's a great, it's a great example of, I think, you know, we're always talking about, well, how do you scale successfully? And what, what does it take to, to scale brands and scale companies? And I think the things that you just said really kind of paint a picture of one way, and I'm not saying there's only one way, but a way that it works and works well broadly uh, and allows for success. And I'm going to let people take that, uh, listen to those takeaways and figure those things out for themselves. But I think creating those systems where the wealth is shared, where, you know, all things are shared are really going to make a, a, an environment that, that benefits the, the broader community and, and allows for these things to have staying power. Right. Cause yeah. now you're, now you're just not doing it solo. Now it's not just solely resting on one entity, one person, one group. So yeah, shout out to but that. But I appreciate that. And then also I think it's important like that you're also, you know, riding the horse that gets you to the race for us. It's like when we bring on a new partner, we're not putting two partners in, you know, in Galveston, Texas, we're going to find the right partner. We're going to, you know, support them with the right tools. We're going to make sure they have plenty of silver bullets in their, you know, in their sling to have a highly successful business that meets the objectives and goals that they want. And so I think that's the other important piece of this is, you know, for, you know, we're putting, you know, we're putting trust in these partners to be 
the right partner in that market and, you know, and be able to execute. And then they're putting trust in us to make sure that we're bringing a ton of value to, to right. them. And, and I, I truly believe, and I know that, you know, when we bring on these partners in their market, we're giving them a competitive advantage. Yeah. Um, and as we, you know, and then to your point, that ecosystem grows, the advantages continue to grow. Um, you know, I mean, shoot, I like, you know, 10 years ago, you couldn't even get Airbnb on the phone and have them have a conversation with you. Like we have a dedicated Costco Airbnb rep in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. like, you can send information, you can send, Hey, like, I don't think this resolution plan was done the right way for our franchisee that has 50 units and, you know, in Kona and she'll get in and be like, yeah, they handled this completely wrong way. I'm going to reverse this. I mean, those, those things don't happen when you're at the, they never happened for me at Padzu. When I had, you know, when I had or a hundred properties, I wasn't right. getting that kind of, a, I wasn't getting that kind of service. So it also, with that scale comes access and, you know, access becomes, um, you know, a really important thing in this business and being able to have a voice becomes really important. And so I think that's a really cool, you know, piece of this as well. And, and now, you know, this year will be our first year. We'll put together our board of advisors, which will actually be Costco board mm -hmm. of advisors made up of our franchise partners around the country. Um, so that's going to be kind of like our owner's board that will help, you know, drive the decisions on how we, you know, spend money marketing and different things for these markets. And so I get really excited about, you know, just again, having a, a lot of people with great voices, you know, speak up and, and talk about, you know, what the objectives are. And then uh, in September, we're actually all going down to Oaxaca for our annual Sabre conference. So we've got um, a three-day conference down in, in Oaxaca, Mexico, all of our GMs and all of our you know, franchisee owners come down and unlike a, you know, a typical conference, it's a real, like, it's a real workout breakout type of conference yeah. where, you know, we've got, you know, we've got our Airbnb reps coming down. We've got our, you know, all of the smart home stuff we're doing. We've got Lexicon coming down. We've got streamlined professionals coming down. And then you basically pick a table that had, you know, these issues get worked through at these different tables. And for three days, our partners use, they carve out two hour windows. And it's not just like, Hey, when you get home, do this, this, and this, like there's a team of people with your computers open with the operators going, that, right. We're, 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 yeah, yeah. we're going to, we're going to knock these 10 things out on all of your property inventory. And when you get back on a plane home, it's not about like what, it's not the copious notes you've taken at a conference as like, Oh, that's a great idea. I should take that home and execute that. Like you're going home, your business is better. It's more efficient and you've got best in class people who have helped you just tune that thing in and you know. That's a rest, you know, that's like a, you know, a rinse, wash, repeat kind of a thing, right? For us, if right. we can do that every year and bring our partners in, get our inventory scores better, get a, you know, get the listing scores better, you know, implement, you know, more technology to the listings, like ultimately that's going to win, right? And that will help yeah. the partners win and that's going to help, you know, the whole system. So, um, you know, that training piece is, is super important and they've been making sure you have obviously the right people to help execute that to your point earlier was, I think, yeah. you know, a really poignant thing to say. Ryan, the, uh, I was close. It was hard for me to, to pass on going down there with Hopper. Uh, the invite was there. Our team is just not big enough yet. And I think we got like seven conferences in September. Um, and I think I'm going to six of the seven. So I'm like, <sighs> next wow. Next year, I appreciate the invite, but next year, um, and yeah. are, I hear even more about it. I'm like, I'm shocked. We, we messed up. We should have been there, uh, with that. Segment. No, the, re no, the reality is he knows that y'all are going to work and he's going to be on the, uh, he's going to be in the spotlight and he's like, I don't have enough time to work and play. 
And he's like, ah, I'm going to work me today. I can't make it to the I mean, dude, we're still having like an open bar at the end of the night. Come on. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I had a couple couple of things I wanted to run it by you real quick. You talked about you talked about acquisition. You talked about partners, and you you know, and and from your eyes, I and this is an assumption. Me, you're looking for profitable companies. You're you're making you're you're looking for you know businesses that are that are op- operating in in the black. Their profitability, you know, they've proven profitability. You're looking for fifty to a hundred units or whatever you're looking for. Um, you know, maybe it's re- region driven. Maybe, you know, you'd mentioned, you know, you're not going to have two Casagos in the, you know, same location. You know, you want to make sure you're, you're expanding, you know, correctly and you're scaling in, in an appropriate way. So that all makes sense to me. My question for you. So I'm a property manager. I, I, you know, I'm really excited about coming on board. I, I've, I've joined up with you where we are now part of your ecosystem. Like, what does that transition look like for, for me as a property manager? Like, what is that lift? Because I, and I know we talked about, you're going to send everyone down to Kasari University, but like at the same time, it's that, like I, I sold PM property manager software, like like I understand when you change your books, you change it. Like it's hard on teams. It's like it's not easy. Like yeah. how? What is that? Like what's that? You know, what does that look like? And how long do you feel that these these property management companies that you are now part of your ecosystem? How long do they feel like we're like, oh, that wasn't that bad? Yeah, you know, and I think you know, I, I mean, yeah, there's no question. The the there's it's interesting. There's this weird bell curve of, of that transition. Um, you know, we, we've signed on some franchises that have no listings and they're just people that want to get in an industry and it's in a market where, you know, we feel that, you know, they can be successful with the system. Um, and so we have, you know, Greenfield operators that have started with none and built out, you know, the first year built out their, you know, portfolio to 25, 30 properties. Um, we have, you know, some others that have taken, they're like five, six properties that have came on. I would say our average is around 60, you know, to 70 properties. And I think, you know, I think that's the, maybe a, an area where there's a lot of optimization because I think they're just big enough to where they need some more help and support. And maybe that's where they're like, I really should go hire this person and this person. But then they see our system and go, Hey, I can might get away with actually just leveraging and pulling some of these levers that Costco has to reduce the cost. And then you've got the bigger teams with the, you know, the over 200 listings. Um, I would definitely say that, you know, the bigger the team, that the easier that transition is for sure, just because there is more support and people that, you know, have identified roles. Um, you know, the 50 units are, are different, but, you know, essentially a new partner comes on, let's say they're, you know, they're on a track software or whatever. You basically take that inventory. Um, we basically pull all the information over. We do the full transfer of all the reservations, listing data, pictures, all of that stuff. Um, and even yeah, full onboard, um, full duplicity, um, you know, of their, of their current website, uh, and that domain and, you know, and then basically find a launch day. We typically, you know, like right now we've probably got uh, maybe three, four in the queue that are like going to be launching at specific times of the year. Like maybe they're a summer market and we're just not going to launch that partner until October. Um, you know, sometimes you have people that want to do it on the quarter because of, to your point, the accounting aspect of it, making sure that they can do quarterly returns the right way and all of that out of a specific software. So we'd really try to meet the needs of what, you know, the client wants and what their expectation is. They like go down to the cost go university, um, you know, for those days, then they come up to Scottsdale and that's really where, 
myself and Katrina, like we'll sit down with the partners and we'll talk about, you know, what their business goals are, what they're really setting up a business plan for the objectives that they want to meet that year. Um, and I think that that's an important, you know, piece of what we're doing is there's, you know, we share our goals as groups, you know, if one I get one another, there's a large level of accountability, which I think is really important and probably missing as a siloed independent operator in this industry, but having some, you know, other people that you're like, you know, verbalizing what these goals are and trying to support each other has been hugely successful and, you know, and now we operate. Um, but that's, you know, that's essentially how the, the how the launch happens. And I would say. Um, you know, the, that process will take anywhere from three to six weeks once we kind of, you know, start going down, you know, going down that road. So I, not, I, I, think, I think that's not too heavy of a lift, right? Right, like, right. The lift. Listen, I mean, there's people that change softwares and the software companies like here, we're training you on the new software. Now you've got to run it, sit in your office and kind of figure it out. I mean, we've got, we've got a support network. We've got, you know, the Costco University, we have a helpline. If you get stuck in the streamline on something, we have our own streamline helpline just for the software with these people that know soft, you know, know streamline inside and out. So not like putting in a ticket to your PMS software and saying like, man, are they, how is it going to take right. to get back with me? They can call a phone number, get an answer to it and, you know, rock and roll. And I... Li- if that came across the wrong way, I didn't mean it that way. Like, like, no, 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 no. It's definitely like, I, I love the processes you have built behind it and it makes total sense. And, you know, it seems like you've, you know, you thought of everything. And then when you haven't thought of everything, it's, it's, you know, everything we're hearing from you, you'll figure it out. And, and then you'll think of everything again, uh, which, which is friggin' awesome. Um, man, this has been great. I mean, what, what's next for Casago or Casago? What, what, where are you going from? I mean, it's just more of the same, uh, or do you got any new exciting things to announce coming up soon? Any, uh, you hear it here first kind of things. You know, well, there's some new tech stuff that you're definitely going to hear about. It won't, you know, that stuff won't roll out till next year, but some stuff that is going to be, uh, I think, you know, first in our industry. Um, some stuff that I think is going to really shake things up. It's going to become, uh, again, it's just going to become a wider, bigger moat around some of the things that we're doing, uh, on the tech space side of, you know, of things. Um, and then I think the other part is just, again, continuing to grow this ecosystem of, of operators. I mean, um, you know, our goal is to have, you know, hundreds of partners around the country. Uh, right now, I think we have 33. So, I mean, our goal is to have, I appreciate that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, hundreds of operators around the country, you know, all kind of rowing in the same direction, uh, with the same objectives and the same goals and, and building something that, you know, I think, you know, again, it, it could be, you know, very powerful. I think that there's uh, a lot of, you know, that like they going back to the whole Vacasa conversation. I mean, the truth is because does Vacasa have an advantage in some aspects of their business on a national level? And the answer is yes. I mean, now that they're a publicly traded company, it's very clear, you know, where they have some success and where they have some levers that they can pull at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, I, I saw a, a call chart, um, just tracking just Vacasa's call center on the average number of calls that their call center can take because their call center is taking calls for, you know, 20 different markets across the country. There's no seasonal dips of like, Hey. I probably should use much needed more reservations now. And then other times you're like, man, my reservation just hasn't taken a call all day. 
they can level load their call centers. They can do some of these things. And so I think, you know, again, like our objective is to continue to try to bring tools to partners that allow them to let, you know, pull those certain levers at their business at the right times uh, and, and increase, you know, the ability to, to operate at a, at a high profit and turn things off when they don't need it, turn things on when they do need it and have that, you know, economies of scale. But I think, you know, what, what this really brings as far as the biggest piece of the value, the truth is, is, you know, we're, you know, are, you know, we're wanting to let people, you know, compete nationally with national tools and, and call centers and things that they come in and out of at a very, you know, um, low cost to increase profit, but then win locally. And right. that's where I think, you know, that's where I think you guys all know this. I mean, this is, this is the magic of our business local operators, local heroes, local owners, being local, getting involved in the community, going and being part of their chamber of commerce, working with those realtor com you know, communities. Like nobody is going to put more work into your business than the owner, like, you know, paid general managers and big guys that get off at five o'clock and have other lives and other priorities. Um, you know, so I think that's really the key here is being able to, Hey, you know, you know, people that are like, Hey, I don't want to sell my business, you know, but I'm getting offers, you know, because they can, you know, this national company wants to come by and I don't want to have to compete against a national company. This really becomes an outlet for them to say, Hey, I can compete with the tools of all the big boys and I can compete in my market against literally anyone at a very high level. And more importantly, I know I'm the secret sauce. I'm the silver bullet. Right. I'm still going to be here. I'm going to, I still own this business, run this business, own this market. And I'm still going to go out and, you know, crush it here, you know, and we'll, you know, whatever city that these operators are in. And I think that's, you know, a pretty cool, you know, piece of all of this and how it's really evolved and, and what I hope to continue to help drive and continue to, you know, to evolve as we go on here. I love it. Yeah, I, awesome. I love it. And, you know, I think that's, that is a differentiator for you, the, the local, but with a national, you know, with the national power of tech. And uh, so we had JB on a few weeks ago and he was talking about how, you know, with Vacasa and with Turnkey prior, you know, it was always, it was always hospitality, but, but logistics first with the hospitality pushed into it. He goes, he goes, hospitality is super, super friggin' important, but without the logistics behind it, you can't like, there, you're not going to get to the level of hospitality you need because it's going to fall flat. And that was pretty enlightening to me. And um, I'm like, oh, I never really thought about like, like you're always talking about tech first, tech first. But what about tech? It's a, it's a logistics behind it. It's being yep. able to go ahead and have that there. And without that, like you're still, you're nothing. And, and, and you can't compete without logistics setup. So like, I get what he's saying in the, you know, and it's interesting though, you're focusing on, lo on logistics as well. But you also have that, you're keeping that owner in place and you're keeping that owner first and that yeah, no one's going to love your business like an owner, no one's going to jump in like an owner. And I love it. I think, I think you guys have a pretty cool, cool product and uh, I wish you the, the best of success. Well, I think the key is too, it's, it's, this is operational optimization, right? Cause it's logistics, but it's uh, one of the keys. And he dropped this gem a couple of times and people got to understand it is the processes, right? Like it's the processes. It's, it's figuring these things out and giving people the tools that will allow them to work and work well. And, you know, take out the, the things that they don't need, optimize the things that are going to give them more time and allow them to be better at the things that they do well. And I think 
that was key. And he dropped that a couple of times. I want to make sure people hear that because it is logistics, but it's also operational, you know, excellence and, and optimizing that operation so that, you know, you can focus on the things that you do best as a management, as a system, as, uh, as a business, and that will lead to profitability. So stick for with sure in that. Ryan, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you joining yeah. us today. John, thanks. It's been fun. Hope to see you guys uh, soon, probably in Vegas, as I'm guessing it's the next time that uh, I'll keep your smelling face. Hey, well, well, yeah, yeah, well, Streamline Summit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I won't be. Well, actually, I, I, Anthony might be at Streamline, I, and maybe one of us will show up at, at that Streamline. But uh, you you want to drop your 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 Married by Dame website? Uh, is that up yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, good. That, that's not my plan. <laughs> I love that. Appreciate you. I love that. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.